You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grossa, Mike Tannenbaum for the next couple of hours. We'll lead you right into Knicks coverage with their annual MLK matinee against the Toronto Raptors. Mike T, great to be with you again, my friend. How are things? I'm doing great, Dan. How about yourself? No complaints whatsoever. And you know what? If you're a Giant fan, you can't have too many complaints because, look, you knew going into this game yesterday that it was a winnable game, right? It was just a few weeks ago. You went into Minneapolis on Christmas Eve. You went toe-to-toe with the Vikings. You lost on a 61-yard field goal at the gun. And you can speak to it as well as anybody. You know, games in the regular season, those aren't necessarily precursors as to what's going to happen in the playoffs. But you thought on paper this was a winnable game for the Giants, and they went out there yesterday and played about as good as you possibly could if you're a fan And what you saw and the questions that were answered yesterday, certainly on some key players on your football team, you couldn't ask for anything more than that. you got to be loving life right now if you're a Giant fan. Absolutely. And I think you have confidence and momentum heading into, you know, the third game of the year against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, a game I think they definitely can win. But, you know, if we go back to yesterday for a minute, you know, just a couple things really stand out. I tweeted about something similar uh, earlier today, which is, Daniel Jones played really effective football, and yet his longest completed pass went about 17 yards in the air, Dan, which is really remarkable. It shows you what a job that both Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka are doing. And the other part of the game was he was their leading rusher, 78 yards on 17 carries. And, you know, I've had the great fortune of working with Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, all defensive minds. They all say the same thing. When the quarterback can make plays with the feet, it changes the math of the defense. So we've seen Daniel Jones have effective games with his feet, but what we saw yesterday was he was really accurate with the ball and had a really effective passing day, uh, had over 300 yards. And again, the ball didn't go more than 17 yards down the field. So it was efficient, it was accurate, and it was hard to defend. So many things to unpack from this game yesterday, and you're so spot on about what you just said there. And certainly, I think nowadays, more so in the NFL, when you talk about the dual-threat quarterbacks, the mobility, I mean, that's becoming a little bit more of the norm when we talk about QBs now in the National Football League. And, you know, look, we want to hear from you at 800-919-3776. I'm sure Giant fans are all fired up, want to be part of the conversation after getting your first playoff win in, what, almost 11, 12 years since you last won your Super Bowl. That was the last postseason victory for the New York Giants franchise here. But Let's start with the quarterback, right? Because you and I, you know, we did a bunch of shows together in August. And we were talking about what this Giants team could potentially be. And we had these questions that we had to outline. You know, and one of them was going to be, all right, you got Brian Dayball, who's a successful offensive coach, a so-called quarterback whisperer, has had a proven track record of working with some of the better ones in the National Football League, did great work with Josh Allen in his most recent stop up there in Buffalo. Could he have that same type of impact on Daniel Jones? Because Giants had to really make a decision this year as to what they were going to do moving forward with this guy. Well, To say that you answered every question you possibly could about Daniel Jones and to say that he reaffirmed 
the organization's faith and trust in him and validated it 10 times over with not only the year that he put together, but with that performance yesterday in the most important game he's ever played in his career, Mike. I don't know what more questions you need answered if you're a Giant fan, if you're a member of that organization, about the guy who is your on-field leader because Daniel Jones is not only the quarterback of the Giant present as far as I'm concerned, he's their quarterback for the next few years to come as well. Yeah, and look, this is not CNBC, and I'm certainly not Jim Cramer. I do know that the stock market went down last year, but it certainly didn't for Daniel Jones. And let's just cut through it. they got to franchise him. There is no oh. way that they can let this guy leave. Like, he was – his trajectory was really good, Dan. It is now even at a much higher level. So they're going to have to franchise him because if you just look at how he's played and more fundamentally what the alternatives are, he's going to be their quarterback next year. So, um, you know, running a couple teams, I always told our staff, like, I'm like, guys, look, our plan, it's going to be firmly etched in pencil because things are going to change. And the the franchise tag is $32,440,000 next year. And if we were having this conversation back in August, Dan, I, you know, probably said, hey, it's a one-year proven extension, $20 million. You know, then it kind of got into this Ryan Tannehill sort of mid-tier market, maybe Kirk Cousins. Then, hey, is he worth Dak Prescott at $40 million a year? And I just told Chris Canny and Chris Carlin, look, to me, number's $50 million a year. And, by the way, if you don't want to pay it, New York Giants, no problem. Guess what? I'll take $32 million, you know, this year. You're going to have to tag me again next year at 120%. So that's roughly, you know, between 38 and $40 million. So basically I'm guaranteed, I'm guaranteed if I do nothing right now, about 75 million for two years, and then I'm a free agent and let's see what, you know, what happens, you know, with the cap being as, um, you know, aggressively going up as it is. So Daniel Jones bet on himself. And in my opinion, Dan, he won big. Hey, Mike, you know what? Isn't it ironic, too, that you lay out that scenario? Which, could look, it could very well happen. We don't know. I mean, it's an option that the Giants are going to have at their disposal. But isn't it ironic that the guy he beat yesterday, his counterpart across the field, essentially played the system to a T in that same vein with the franchise tag all those years with Washington, and then he finally then parlayed it into a big contract with the Minnesota Vikings. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins just kept getting the franchise tag over and over and over, made a lot of money, and maybe that's what's going to be in Daniel Jones's future. But here's the other part. Part of this too and look you don't have to worry about him going elsewhere because the Giants at least have that franchise tag thing in their back pocket but the simple answer is given the premium of a quarterback position and what it means around the National Football League guess what if the Giants don't feel that Daniel Jones is worth whatever they're offering or something I guarantee you with that performance yesterday and the body of work he put on tape this year specifically there's a lot of other teams out there that probably would give Daniel Jones what he wants to come in and stabilize their quarterback position hey Mike make no mistake about it you know, we've talked about it all season long. If Daniel Jones was the quarterback for the other team in town that I'm affiliated with, they might have had a game this weekend. And chances are they probably would have had a game this weekend. If you could guarantee 17 games under center playing the quarterback position, Jets are probably a playoff team if Daniel Jones so, is their QB so, all season. So, Dan, let's have a little fun, all right? Someone's going to speculate about it, so why not it be us? Mm -hmm. So here's what's going to happen. The Giants are going to have to tag Daniel Jones because the way these deals happen, it's just not going to happen overnight. We all know that. It just right. doesn't happen overnight. So between now and the start of the league year, which is roughly the second week in March, they're going to tag him. I'm not saying they won't get a long-term deal done. I'm saying it's reasonable that they could at some point, but it's it's almost certain that it's not going to happen between now and the deadline. So now let's take the Jets, for example. Mm -hmm. By the way, <clears throat> for all the people listening out there, 
we're going to use the Jets in this example, but I, I would tell you that this could be Tennessee. This could be Indianapolis. This could yep. be Houston. This could be uh, Las Vegas. This could be Washington. This could be, I mean, I could keep on going Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, amongst many others. And if I'm the Jets and I say, okay, two first-round picks, well, guess what? I'm not going to get a better quarterback next year, I mean this year, in the low 20s where uh, I'm where, where the J- J- Jets are drafting. Um, so if I have to give up an extra first-round pick to get Daniel Jones, is that worth doing? So the reason I bring this up is not only are the Giants going to have to franchise Daniel Jones, I don't think it's out of the question for a team to say, you know what, given how many teams need a quarterback, which I just mm-hmm. listed about 12, knowing that there's two, maybe three quarterbacks in the first round of this year's draft, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, who made it official today, yep. um, Bryce Young of Alabama, Will Levis of Tennessee, somebody may say, you know what, I'll give up two ones for Daniel Jones. So I think this offseason gets so much more interesting as Daniel Jones plays well, candidly. Geno Smith, I think, gets franchised, and obviously so does Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. But, you know, if I'm the Giants, I don't think I sleep that easy knowing so many teams need a quarterback. It's it, Look, there's a premium at the position. You know this as well as anybody, and anybody who watches football knows how important it is to have a quarterback. And, look, there's some teams and some systems that are very quarterback-friendly, like, for example, what we've seen in San Francisco, where it doesn't matter who's under center. It just seems like, you know, that machine just does not skip a beat because of the talent and, you know, the way that they play together cohesively. It just it works. But you're right about that. And for those that don't know, the whole thing with the franchise tag is, a team could slap that on a player, like let's say the Giants, for example, but unless the player then signs it, other teams could go out there and put an offer in front of them that the player may agree to, and if that's the case, if that's the one they sign, then that team, which would be the Giants, gets two first-round picks in exchange from that club that puts out the offer, which ultimately nets them the player. I don't think, and look, back in August, I would have thought that this was a pipe dream. But given everything that's transpired here over the last four or five months, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that Daniel Jones is somebody who would probably be worth giving up two first-round picks for. I think that right now, what we've seen in 2022, or at least the 2022 season, Mike, he's probably elevated himself to probably be in the top half of quarterbacks in the National Football League. I don't think that's a stretch to you. No, and he's young and he's ascending. He's high character. He's tough. Um, and, you know, th- here's the other thing that you can't discount is he has the disposition to lead an NFL team in New York. So, again, just to have fun with the conversation, if I'm sitting in Florham Park, New Jersey, at the Jets headquarters, and I'm saying, like, okay, of all the options, if we have to give up another first-round pick in 2024, which we hope to be low, but we got a quarterback that we think could come in and help us win right now, wh- why not say, hey, we're going to pay him $55 million for the next six years, give him – $360 million, whatever the final number is, half of it's guaranteed, 180 to $200 million. And, you know, we've solved our quarterback issue that, you know, we've dealt with since, you know, Mark Sanchez has left. So um, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if I'm the Jets looking at my alternatives, like your alternative may be, hey, I'm going to draft Anthony Richardson out of Florida and take a shot on him who is a big, physical, good-looking prospect. But, you know, there's some flaws in his game. A couple um, years away, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, can he stay healthy? Derek Carr, my big concern about Derek Carr is if Josh McDaniels is giving up on him, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, what's next? So, 
like I, I would I would have real concerns about uh, Derek Carr. So if I'm looking at the landscape, I'm the New York Jets. I'm hard pressed not to give this serious consideration. The impediment to the Jets this year was the quarterback position. Like and like I said, I'll continue to pound that drum. If if a guy like Daniel Jones was the Jet quarterback this season, they're in the playoffs. The Jets roster subtract the quarterback is better top to bottom than the Giants is. It's more talented. But I, this isn't a day about the Jets and to where they are right now. It is a giant day, and we want to keep that the focus here. There'll be plenty of time to talk about the Jets and their quarterback situation and here on out. There was always – look, yesterday was intriguing to me, and you have ties to both of these guys. You know, both of the head coaches that were in that game yesterday, Kevin O'Connell, of course, and Brian Dayball. You work with both of them. I was curious to see how both would fare because this was going to be their first times leading a team in the postseason game. And make no mistake about it, to say that that was anything short of a master class, specifically by Brian Dayball, and then by extension Mike Kafka, his offensive coordinator, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't acknowledge that. You had guys, and you alluded to it, right, just in terms of the passing, the passing game and the scheme and the way plays were designed, you had guys – that were wide open all day in the flat. You had guys wide open all day on crossing routes. Minnesota, their defense, it is designed, Mike, and you know this, to negate the big plays. And you can move the ball up and down the field on them. They were one of the worst passing defenses in the league all season long. They gave up a lot of yards. Giants knew that. Giants already got a look at that team firsthand a few weeks ago. They went to school on those things yesterday, and as I said, you could not have asked for more the way they executed offensively. They punted the ball one time. It was incredible what they designed for that game. Yeah, and I've worked with both guys, and uh, I will say this about Brian Dayball. He is a fundamental problem solver, and I know that sounds weird for our audience to hear that, hey, I'm going to put my position players in the best position possible, but let's juxtapose what happened Saturday night. Chargers have a 27-point lead over the Jacksonville. You have a very athletic, strong, similar, arguably more talented version of Daniel Jones and Justin Herbert. Why not have some creative runs for him in terms of trying to shorten the game in the second half when they only ran the ball eight times? So I thought the game plan that they called yesterday was remarkable a couple times. Saquon Barkley, you know, they get a matchup with Kendricks. That's just a great mismatch for the Giants. And in terms of his accuracy, not only was he accurate statistically, but, Dan, one of the things I was impro- pro, uh, impressed with Daniel Jones was getting the ball in on the right side of wherever the receiver was so he could make plays once he caught it. And that's something that's subtle, but that certainly has gotten better for Daniel Jones. And one of the things you brought up very early in the show today when you talked about his legs and the plays that he made just in terms of the design runs, churning out yards there, you realize when they played on Christmas Eve, he only ran the ball four times. Only four times. You saw a night and day. That's what I mean about going to school on that first game, trying some different things, things that work, things that didn't. You saw that incorporated into the game plan yesterday, and it worked to a T. I mean, you want to bring up the Chargers. I mean, that's another discussion for another day. I mean, what a disaster that operation is. And, I I mean, I've never been a Brandon Staley guy. I, I mean, I wouldn't even have let him back on the plane home after that game the other night. I mean, they need to move on from that as fast as they could. I don't know if they're going to. That's their problem out there in L.A., not ours here. Um, But, you know, we talk so much about the offense. How about the defense yesterday, Mike? I mean, after the first drive where Minnesota marched right down the field, the defense locked in, and they were probably as healthy yesterday going into that game as they've been in weeks. You know, having a Dory Jackson 
in the lineup yesterday. You didn't have him on Christmas Eve. You saw how he was able to lock down Justin Jefferson about as best as you possibly could after that first drive in the game. I mean, he was huge for them yesterday. Yeah, he was. And, um, you know, look, pass rush was, you know, not dominant, but I would say effective and not all pressures are created equal. But, you know, they got enough out of Thibodeau. And <clears throat> when you look at, at their line, like to me, like, Again, I think this is a team that's not going to be dominant, but Ojolari to me is another like really effective guy just in terms of like he can impact the game, not necessarily with sacks, but getting Kirk Cousins um, off the spot. So I think their defense was efficient. You know, after that first drive, I think you're right. It, it did look a little scary. Um, you know, they had no recorded sacks, but I did think that Kirk Cousins was uncomfortable at times. No, no doubt about it. They, I mean, I don't know how many hits that they were credited with uh, statistically, but they were in the backfield a lot. I thought Dexter Lawrence had himself a yep. huge game yesterday. That penalty, by the way, the roughing the passer, that was a joke. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the latest in a long line of bad calls from the officials and in terms of the, uh, the roughing the passer stuff and the trying to protect the quarterbacks. We've seen that all season long. That was a disaster. I thought the other thing that was big was they didn't allow the running game of Minnesota to get on track. Yeah, and you know, danger, where, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's where I thought Leonard Williams and Lawrence were effective. You know, like, um, when you look at some of the explosive plays that Minnesota has had over the years, obviously a lot goes through Justin Jefferson, but a lot of it also goes through Dalvin Cook, who's just an explosive runner. His long yesterday was 11 yards. So, again, credit that front. And, again, I don't think they were dynamic, but, you know, contributions from Thibodeau, again, Ojolari, Ward, Lawrence, Williams. Like, that's what you need. Like, you need waves. Uh it goes way beyond just like your front. Like, you know, you could look at a team like the 49ers. They had a big play by a guy named Michael Ohenahu, who they had gotten in a trade from Houston. And again, like, depth at that position is really important. And I felt like what the Giants did yesterday was good team defense. And like you said, Odori Jackson, you know, he's always had the athleticism, but I thought he was a good tackler yesterday as well. And look, they paid him a lot of money. And for good reason. You know, once upon a time, you sit there, and because last year, you know, they were losing games. And you're saying, was it really worth locking up that guy for all that money and what they overpaid at the time just to get him? And he didn't get the results, you know, in 2021 where nothing seemed to go right. But, you know, this year, despite the fact that he battled some injuries and whatnot, he came through in the biggest moment when you need your guys to step up. And that's what you saw yesterday. And, and you know, there's certain examples and certain things that happen over the course of games to where – you just think if you're one of these kind of woe-be-gone fans and, you know, your franchise hasn't had a lot of luck in recent years, there's things that happen in the course of a game where you think, oh, that's it, we're done, we're going to lose. What do you think Giant fans were feeling, Mike, when Darius Slayton dropped that wide-open pass on that third down? Yeah, right? here we Which go again. Right, here we go again. And you thought, well, that, that could have iced the game. You would have walked out there with a victory. He drops the pass, and you're thinking, oh, here come. You're going to give him the ball back to Minnesota. They're going to take the ball down the field. They're going to win the game, and we're going to have a brutal loss. But no, it didn't happen. And that's another example about, like, the tide turning here. And this is a different giant team. I mean, that was huge. And then I love when Dayball went over to him on the sidelines and basically got in his face and tried to pick him right back up. I mean, I'm sure he said something along the lines of, hey, man, you know, we're still going to need you. This game ain't over yet. Keep your head up. Don't get too low. And it came true. They win a game. Yeah, and that's what the essence of coaching is. Like, hey, look, Darius Slayton, like, you were really productive yesterday. You had a really good game. You had a huge drop. But you know what? That's ancient history. We're on to the next series. And, look, that may have ended the game. We'll never know. Um, but, fortunately, the game turned out the way it was. And, you know, Brian Dayball has really done a good job. And, you know, part of the thing about doing a good job as a coach is putting a staff together 
And our own Adam Schefter just reported, uh, Dan, that the Colts just uh, requested permission for to speak to Wink Martindale about their vacation, their vacated head coaching job. You know, previously they had asked to speak to Mike Kafka as well. So, you know, the sign of success is you know your coordinators are going to garner interest, and right now the Colts want to talk to both the Giants' offensive and defensive coordinators. And I guess Brian Dayball, I, I did see that, and, and Dayball, by the way. Uh, who's meeting with the media either right now or just moments ago on a, on a Zoom. I think he said something. I'm, I'm reading Twitter here. You have the cut there? All right, here, here, here's Brian Dayball, by the way, here talking about his assistant coaches here and suddenly being hot commodities in terms of interviews. Yeah, we have. You know, I'm not going to get too dive too deep into it. He's not going to do anything. Everything's focused on Philadelphia. So this is going to be a normal week for him, for our offense. I know where his focus is, so there won't be any interviews leading up to this game. So even though the assistants can go ahead and take the interviews here, Mike Kafka's not going to interview this week. The sole focus is going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles trying to win another football game. Now, how do you feel about that? I mean, is that Mike Kafka shooting it? That's what I need to know. Is Mike Kafka the one shooting it down? Or, or can the organization, let's say in this case, Brian Devil or whatever, forbid him from taking an interview? But I don't think he would do something like that, would he? No, and there's rules of when they can and can't uh, interview. So, for example, like if you were coaching last week um, – you couldn't interview last week, but you can interview this week. So, but I've been with tons of assistants that have said, "Look, I know I can interview, but I want I want to you know pause or delay." And just think about the optics, especially yeah. But let, let's let's look at the Giants in particular here. So you have a great win. You get back late from Minnesota. You know that's halfway across the country. So you get back close to midnight. You're you're on a train to Philly on Friday, right? So <clears throat> players are off today. You're looking quickly at the Minnesota tape, but you're really working on the game plan now for the Eagles. You know, what are you going to do? Take, you know, four or five hours to go interview with the Colts tomorrow? It just doesn't look right. You got to prepare for that interview. Like, it just, the optics don't work. And when people criticize the NFL and the coaching hires, and part of that, obviously, there's a big narrative around the league needs to do a much better job with minority hiring. One of the criticisms that I think is fair is, like, you take a guy like, Don Martindale mm-hmm. or a guy like Mike Kafka, like it's impossible for them to interview this week because look, of course they have goals and dreams like everybody else, Dan. And of course they want to be an NFL head coach, but imagine if like you got to get in front of your team tomorrow or Wednesday and say, Hey guys, like we have an opportunity of a lifetime. Let's go win a championship. Let's go beat the Eagles. We're going to be in the NFC championship game by Saturday night, and oh, by the way, like if you need me tomorrow, I'm not going to be available. I'm going to be with the Colts, right? Like <laughs> the optics are just like, it, it, they're impossible. So um, I don't think, think the league always has it easy. Like these are tough rules, but I think for Kafka and Wink to hear you know what Coach Dayball said makes a ton of sense. It's, it's unfair to those guys. And look, no one's rooting for the Giants to lose, but if they lose Saturday – you know, to Philadelphia, you know, on Sunday, they, they could be on the next plane to Indy and, and still have a shot at that job. So there's a lot to work through there. But again, if you're the coach, it's really hard to say, oh, especially on such a short week. Again, you're, you're Friday afternoon, you're on a train to Philadelphia because, you know, the game is the next day. So there's really no time. I remember um, in 2008, 
Remember, this was the year after the Giants won the first Super Bowl, beating the Patriots, and then they were the number one seed going into the playoffs. That was when Plaxico Burris uh, shot himself in the leg there late in the season, and that kind of derailed what quite possibly could have been maybe like a back-to-back. I mean, the Giants were – Giants might have even been a better team in 2008 than they were in 07, but I remember they had the first round by, and they lost – to the Eagles in the second round of the playoffs over at the Meadowlands. And I remember the fans after that game, Mike, were so irate at Steve Spagnolo because Spagnolo, who was, of course, the defensive coordinator then, he was interviewing for head coaching jobs, you know, during the time off and all those things. So, And because the defense played poorly and they didn't do good against Philadelphia, the fans were, were outraged at Spagnola. He should have spent more time worrying about the Eagles instead of interviewing for other jobs. And, hey, that's just the name of the game and the way that it goes here. And, look, everybody loves a winner. And the Giants, with how well they performed this year and certainly on both sides of the ball, those coordinators, those assistants are going to be hot commodities. And, you know, there's going to be a time and a place for that down the road, as you said, as long as you take care of your business, uh, what you're supposed to do during the week. Want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Giant fans, this is your day. I mean, I don't know how many of them told me, oh, I I couldn't wait for yesterday. Six years, a long-suffering six years in the making before they had a chance to play a playoff game. Spare me the six years, by the way, please. Want to hear from you, though. Dan Grass and Mike Tannenbaum, we're in for Barton Hahn. It is a Monday right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dan Gross and Mike Tannenbaum in for Barton Hahn here on 98.7 ESPN. Talking Giants, their big win over the Minnesota Vikings. Next, a third date with the Philadelphia Eagles to see if they can take care of business Saturday night down in Philadelphia. Mike, you, you've been around the league for a long time, and you know that you know once you get to this stage of the season, if you are still fortunate enough to be playing football in the middle of January, I mean, 
how many press conferences has Brian Dayball done already this year, right, as the Giants head coach? You think about all summer and training camp and then over the course of the season and now into the playoffs. I mean, you might get the occasional question that is off the beaten path like one he got earlier this afternoon. Take a listen. Yeah, one quickie. Have you uh, tried to walk on water or multiply uh, loaves and fish today? Have I? <laughs> yes. Tom, I would sink like a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's always something, Mike. There's always something. Yeah, and he has the right personality and disposition to work uh, in New York and be a head coach of a New York team. Um, I've known Brian a long, long time. And Brian's a what-you-see-is-what-you-get guy. He's incredibly comfortable in his own skin. And, again, I think it manifests itself on the football field. Um, Again, Daniel Jones was the leading rusher yesterday, and he'll do that again this week if he feels like that's what gives them – the best chance. If they blitz uh, Jalen Hurts 50 times, he'll blitz him 50 times. Um, he has no compunction except to do what is best. And he's, uh, I believe now he's, what, 24 and 7 in NFL playoff games. He's a really, really good coach. That's a pretty good winning percentage, I would say. Now, granted, he's 1-0 as a head coach, which is all that really matters right now if you're a Giant fan. But, hey, you'll take that winning pedigree as far as you possibly can. All right, let's get to the phones. A lot of Giant fans fired up, certainly, talking about what went down yesterday in Minnesota. Let us start it off with Gordon in New Jersey, batting leadoff here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, how we doing? Good. How are you, Dan Mike? Good, Gord. What's up? I got a quick question. Based on what you just said about the Colts expressing interest in the Giants' assistance, what can uh, the Mowers do and in, uh, in the Giant organization to keep those guys? That's a good question. I mean, Gordon, look, you're not going to – and thanks for the phone call. Mike, obviously, you know, the profession the way it is – chances are you're never going to stand in the way of somebody trying to advance their careers. Like if somebody can get a head coaching job, you know, you're going to let them have it. But as far as lateral moves go, like if you leave to become, let's say, a coordinator someplace else, I mean, those are things that maybe the organization will have a say in, correct? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a number of rules that are prescribed. Um, basically, you, you um, if it is a lateral move, they certainly could deny it. But to answer the caller's questions, you know, you could pay more money, Um you certainly could give them more responsibilities. Um, Mike Kafka, I believe, calls most, if not all, the plays on offense. So, um, you know, I think this is one of these things. If they could become a head coach, there's not much you can do um, beyond, you know, give them, you know, a pretty significant raise. I mean, look, we, we've seen many examples of that over the years. I mean, you know, back to your days with the Jets. I mean, didn't Leon Hess kick in an extra couple of bucks to ensure that Bill Belichick would hang around to eventually take over for Bill Parcells once Bill wanted to step away? And, uh, well, he did take over. It was for at least a couple of days. But, you know, he, he did ensure because weren't the Bears coming after him hot and heavy, if I remember correctly? Uh, he did interview with uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Raiders and the Chiefs, okay, but they, but Leon Hess gave him a few extra bucks to keep him around, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, th- these things happen, and you know, I don't know if the Giants and you know John Marin, Steve Tisch are going to go to those lengths to keep the assistants around. We'll see how it plays out here. Um, you know, over the next couple of weeks, who knows? Rob in the truck up next here on ninety-eight-seven ESPN. Rob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, guys. I just got a quick question. Let me uh, sneak a little Jet fan in here. I'm a Jet fan, but. Um, I respect what the Giants did. It's a big blue day. I respect it. I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. But what I just want to say real quick is I hear a lot of people say that if we had Daniel Jones, 
you know, we might be in the playoffs too. But just last year, they were right. They were writing Daniel Jones off, and I feel like that was a testament to Brian Dayball to build Jones up. If he was with the Jets, we have not proven we could do anything with quarterbacks, anything. That's why we're looking for an established veteran now. So I just kind of want to see what you think about that. I'm not so sure if he was on our team that we would be in the playoffs, although I don't know, but at least he's a testament to Dayball, and I respect what he did with Daniel Jones, and he earned him a ton of money. And good job, guys, and congratulations, Giants fans. Rob, thanks for the phone call. I, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting theory, and look, we'll never know the answer to it because it's a hypothetical. Um, Brian Dayball's a good coach. You know, he's got a proven track record. And maybe we'll look back and see that the best work that Brian Dayball did, maybe in his career, is if he turns Daniel Jones into a championship-caliber quarterback. You know, if we talk about a Giants team with Jones as the quarterback, Mike, over the next, I don't know, five, six years – with Brian Dayball still as the head coach and, and the Giants are Super Bowl champions, then, yeah, that's what the legacy is going to be for both of these guys. Yeah, no question about it. And that's why you bring in Brian Dayball. Like, he did a great job, you know, with Tua Tongvaloa at the University of Alabama. Obviously, he did a fantastic job with Josh Allen at Buffalo a long time ago. I saw him do a really good job with Brett Favre at the Jets. Like, this guy's a really good coach. And, uh, again, I am not surprised by the success he's having. Yeah, Brett Favre's not in the Hall of Fame without Brian Dayball. No, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> Those three MVPs, Brian Dayball, of course, nothing to do with that. But, you know, it, it's interesting, and, and, and we don't know. And, look, I, I still think that there's going to be people out there that have a little bit of a doubt about Daniel Jones only because you're starting to see the best of him this season. Right? Like, you're only starting to see Daniel Jones play winning football as a top-flight starter in the NFL just this year with Brian Dayball as the head coach. Like, we didn't see this last year. We didn't see this the year before that, at least as consistently as we have this year. So, there might be folks out there, fans, media, who think, maybe I'm not 100% sold on Daniel Jones. Because let's say if we took him and moved him back to a coaching staff that he was with, let's say, last season... Maybe you're not getting that type of production at that position. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, and, again, that's – but, Dan, is that the essence of coaching is to get the most out of the guys you have when you have them? No, correct. I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's a hypothetical. However, there's a dollars and cents to this, and you know this because you sat on that side of the table for a long time. So if I'm the Giants – and I know how important he is to my team. And, look, we're not in the playoffs. We're not one of the last four teams standing in the NFC without Daniel Jones. The Daniel Jones, Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka partnership here. But when it comes time to talk Turkey at the end of the season and try to hammer out some sort of a contract for next year or possibly beyond, don't you think that maybe if the Giants who are trying to maybe save every last cent that they can, they don't want to overpay, don't you think that that will maybe factor into the negotiations because they might be of this theory that – He's good, but he's only good because of the coaching staff that we have. Or not only good, but primarily he's, he's productive because of the coaching staff we brought in. Yeah, I would say, though, the inverse of that is also true, which is, look, we think Dayball is going to be here for a minute as well. So let, let's, get, let's get the quarterback wrapped up. We just signed the head coach. You know, So, I don't know, I feel like it's working. Let's not mess it up because we know the alternative is murky at best. Because to, to drive a hard bargain, right? Like, if I'm Daniel Jones's reps or if I'm the player, I'm going to be like, I want, um, you know, $40 million a year or something like that. Giants could come back and say, well, I can't pay you like that. I'm not going to pay you like one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL because 
you know, here's the production prior to 2022, and here's what we've done this season with the new staff, with the new coaches, so on and so forth. And, and, and you know what? You can also turn it around. Like, if I'm Daniel Jones, I could turn around and say to the Giants, all right, look at what we had this year in terms of skill positions to work with. How many different wide receivers did he have to throw to this year? And look at the guys that, you know, he had out there yesterday in their most important game of the season. Isaiah Hodgins, good for him. He, they signed him off the street in November. You know, Darius Slayton turned into their number one wideout this year. God bless him, but he's not a number one wideout. You know, the Richie Jameses of the world. So that, to me, is another feather in the cap for Daniel Jones that look at what he was able to do given the kind of mash unit of receivers that was like a revolving door for them this year yeah um again that's the essence of coaching though right make the most of what you have um and there's a countless examples of that on the giants roster right now 800-919-3776 that is the telephone number want to hear more from the giant fans and also when we come back somebody that didn't even play in that game yesterday mike somebody that didn't even play in that game might have had a big hand in the giants walking off that field victorious We'll talk about it when we return. It's Dan Gross and Mike Tannenbaum in for Barton Hahn. It's 9870 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Barton Hahn Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dan Gross and Mike Tannenbaum in for Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN. So I, I said before the break, Mike, somebody who didn't play in the game yesterday having a big hand in the Giants victorious. And I wonder if somewhere, you think Dave Gettleman was watching that game yesterday and maybe a smile or two ran across his face, maybe some vindication, if you will, when you see how Daniel Jones performed, when you see how Dexter Lawrence performed, the Xavier McKinney's of the world, guys like that. You think maybe extra gratification for Dave Gettleman? You know, the Mara family is nothing but class. They're a first-class family, have run the Giants uh, in a way that's really been beyond reproach for decades. Let's say the Giants make it to the Super Bowl. Do you think Dave Gettleman's invited by the Maris to attend? I think by that time when you go to the Super Bowl, like do you mean to the actual game itself? Yeah. I think superstition probably takes over. Everybody's superstitious. If Dave Gettleman's been away from the Giants 
up until this point, at least through the entire postseason run, they're going to keep them away because you want to keep this good thing going. You want to keep the train on the tracks. That would be my guess. Now, if the Giants, let's say, win a Super Bowl, would they maybe look at it as like an act of good faith and they give Dave Gettleman a Super Bowl ring? Like a you know general manager doesn't does he have still a title at all for the organization? Kind of like I, some emeritus thing or something. I, I don't think he does, but I mean you can make an argument. He definitely deserves a ring. I mean, as you mentioned, Dexter Lawrence. I mean, all their key players were acquired by Dave Gettleman. Isn't it weird that when they won in two thousand seven, Jerry Reese was the GM, right? So he technically like gets credit as the GM, but. Ernie Acorsi was the guy who drafted Eli Manning, traded up to get him, brought in a lot of those guys who were, you know, kind of the foundation of that football team. And, you know, Ernie Acorsi was almost thought of as like the guy who put that team together. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to win a Super Bowl, but let's say it happens. Joe Shane is technically the GM, but a lot of those guys are going to be uh, Dave Gettleman players. Like, a, think a about lot, how- A lot, almost any consequential player. I mean, you talked about Odori Jackson, um, you know, Azish Ojolari, uh, just keep going. Dexter Trading Lawrence. for Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, yeah. Andrew Thomas. I mean, think Nick, about Nick, it, right? Like Nick, Nick, Nick Gates. Nick Gates. Sa- Saquon Barkley. How can you take a running back second overall? Like, think about how this is all unfolding. But now, look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Giants still got a lot of work to do before they're hoisting that trophy. But, but, but let's just say it happens. But, and let me say this. It's not unrealistic to sit here and say that this team's not going to be in the Final Four. I mean – this reminds me so much of our Jet teams of 2009 and 10 in terms of they're playing a very familiar opponent. They will not be intimidated in the least bit by Philadelphia, by that crowd, by that stadium. They're either going to take a quick bus ride or a train down there on Friday afternoon. They're playing an old foe. They're hot. They're playing really good football. And let me ask you this. Yeah. For one game right now, Dan, would you rather have a Daniel Jones playing the way he is or a banged-up Jalen Hurts? Daniel Jones. Yeah, I don't think Daniel they disagree. Jones. Yeah, so now six you have, days a week and twice right. on Sunday. Right. So now, now you have the better quarterback. So, look, Philly's at home. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They're going to be favored, I think, by about a touchdown. But I don't think any of us would be sitting here Saturday night or Sunday morning and say, like, man, that's a shocker. Like, I don't think any of us would say that. Well, save that because we're going to get into that a little bit more in detail in the next hour. You know, as we move forward through the program. By the way, Anthony, do you have off the top of your? Do you have an early line on the game for uh, this weekend? I didn't even see it yet. Yeah, sure do. Uh, Philly are seven and a half point favorites on Caesars. You're getting this. You're getting the hook. You're getting the seven and a half, huh? I'm sure it'll change between now and then, but that is mighty, mighty tasty. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, let's get and back to the way, phones. Yeah, what, what, go ahead. Before we do, I'll say this: like, if if Nick Sirianni was talking honestly and openly, which, of course, he wouldn't be. Um, and someone said, hey, who would you rather play, the Vikings or the Giants? It's not even close. Oh. And here's why. The Vikings, you know, it's easy to beat them up today, but they could score. We talked about, again, the explosiveness of Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, obviously the great Justin Jefferson. But defensively, they just don't scare you. So if I'm the Giants, this is like, excuse me, the Eagles, this is the worst-case scenario. And plus, it's pri- it would be primetime Kirk Cousins you're playing against on Saturday night. That's a gift, right? That's yep. a gift. I mean, if, if you're the Eagle, that, that you were praying for that to happen yesterday. And, and look, I don't like to draw too many conclusions and parallels between what happens in the regular season and the playoffs. I mean, you remember that from 2010, 45-3 in Foxborough on Monday Night Football. You go back a month later, you beat them. Uh, it, one does not preclude the other, of course. But 
what was it, week two of the season on Monday Night Football, Vikings went into Philadelphia and the Eagles beat them up pretty good. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I, it, you're right. It would not be a good matchup for Minnesota. It would be a great matchup for Philadelphia. This the much, much more difficult task, I think, for the Birds coming up on Saturday. Um, let's say hi to Tessa in Jersey up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tessa, how you doing? I'm listening to my voice. I apologize. I'm screaming so much for my team because I bleed blue. So I like I lost this. My voice I, you know, Tessa, this is like the radio voice. This is like the radio DJ voice. You got it going. <laughs> I do feel kind of cool, though, right now. I feel it, kind of cool. It's a cool listen, voice. But listen, you guys are just kind of a little bit knocking me off my pedestal. I don't care nothing about no Dave Gettleman because you know what? We had these players last year and we was trash because of the coaching. So, no, I don't want to give them no kudos. Thank you, but no thank you. Because at the end of the day, this has so much to do with our coaching, our coaching that brought the best out of these players instead of dragging them down and allowing them to be trash like last year with that no name. I'm not going to name last year as a coach. And then the coach before that and the coach before that. So, no, he don't get no credit. You can get a Super Bowl, you get a Super Bowl ball. That's what you could get. I don't even want to give you no stinking ring. So that's why I'm like, oh, my God, I was so excited. And then you started making me feel like sad and lonely and depressed bringing up Dave Gettleman's name, that dinosaur. But, but I still can't let it allow me to just knock me off this pedestal that I feel. I, when the beginning of the season, I said, I really, really, really want to just make the playoffs. If we could do that, that's great for me. Once we made the playoffs and they said we was going to Minnesota, I would have been devastated to lose because I knew we could beat them. And when we beat them, and nobody even chose us yesterday, guys. Nobody chose us except Michael Strahan. Of course he would. But nobody even was still giving us credit. Come on now. Nobody believed in Minnesota from the rip. And look what we did to them. At the end of the day, you see how many weapons they have? Who knew who Richie James was really before this game like that? I mean, we did, but not like America did. Who knew who Hodgins was like that? And you're right, he just came up the street. This man was applying to probably the regular jobs. And look, 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 look what he did yesterday with a bum ankle. Saquon and Daniel, um, Saquon will get the fresh from franchise tag so they could lock him up after that. And then Daniel getting locked up, plain and simple. Big blue all day, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not I'm, I'm, not, I'm nervous about the Eagles, but I think we got a chance. You know what I mean, guys? What you well, got to think? Tessa, enjoy this one for a couple of days before you got to worry about the Eagles later <laughs> in the week. But enjoy this one. And, get, and, and go drink some tea, get some honey, get the voice back because you're going to be screaming again on Saturday. I I, I don't know, Mike. I, you know what? You don't think Dave Gettleman's going to have his own float maybe down the Canyon of Heroes if they win the Super Bowl? He should. I mean, he was held accountable. The team didn't play well, but like we said, like the vast majority of this team was constructed by Dave. I mean, that's like him, hate him, whatever. That's just the truth of it. And then you have fans like Tessa who are going to be at the parade throwing tomatoes at the Dave Gettleman float still. They can't let bygones be bygones. It's unfortunate. Thanks for listening to the Barton Han Show podcast. Listen live weekdays at noon on 98.7 ESPN.